Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me there on Twitter. And this is the show where we talk about DFS strategy, whether it be NFL, whether it be MLB, man, probably not. MMA, soccer, maybe. I don't know. Any, anything you want. It's casual Friday, right? Casual Friday, casually looking finally at kind of more secure, uh, you know, more more updated projections. Uh, player projections, ownership projections for NFL. We also got soccer and MMA tomorrow. If you want to talk a little bit about that, because that's what, that's what I'll be playing tomorrow. Uh, and uh, and answer your questions in the YouTube chat. As always, I see you guys in there. Give me those thumbs up. Give me the thummy thumbs. You're way in the door. I'm going to wave the thumb at you until you hit the thumbs up button. Uh, and subscribe if you're new here. How how you doing, new people? Right? They're probably going to ask stupid questions, but uh, but whatever. We'll 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 teach them. We'll teach them. And, uh, and hit the, the notification bell to know when we go live. I'll be on the, the, the Advanced Sports Analytics show uh, later today. That, that is not a live show, but it will be posted to the YouTube channel later today. We've got a ton of stuff coming up. I see uh, Edward Brown, Brett Booth, DFS Voodoo, Lee Palm, Match Coach, Con, Con Campbell, Hog Lawrence, Daniel Hutchins, Suki Singh, who didn't get the ah, Suki. Suki was 11 minutes late being the first one here. Uh, Joe Mack, Real Life Pitcher, Tim Light. Card fan, major one-on-one, Dan, thirteen twelve, saying it's ignorant Friday. Oh, okay. It could be. Could be ignorant Friday. Uh, let's see. Hog Lawrence, looking forward to MMA. Oh, yeah. If you want to, well, well, we can quickly take a look at MMA. I think the I think the MMA card for, for GPPs is very good. Uh, tomorrow, we got 14 fights. Uh, ho- hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. Or we had 15. And there were, I liked it before the Moda fight got, got canceled again uh, yesterday. Cause he was going to be chalky and then we had to see zoo being chalky and there's ways to leverage your lineups and, you know, for large field GPPs, but it still should be fine. Uh, Edward Brown, what the Leeds versus Newcastle at 3 PM. I, I don't play soccer showdown that often. And uh, I'm not going to be able to play. I'm doing three shows today. So, so I, I'm not going to have time to make uh, I never have time to make the early Friday soccer lineups I, Tuesdays and Wednesdays for champions league. I can, but no. So uh so I have no idea what's going on. Feel free to sign up for Roto Grinders Premium. You'll get the soccer projections, even for, for EPL and UCL. So you can, you can take a look at them. You can click on the link in the description, get $10 off your first month. Uh, let's see. Uh, any chance we could talk about NFL showdown strategy? We kind of talked about yesterday, Brett Booth. We see here, I mean, uh, it's almost it was almost too obvious that if Antonio Gibson is like the chalk, the obvious leverage point is J.D. McKissick. Right, that that almost seems too obvious. Uh, so so if you played McKissick, you could have played them together even. Uh, but uh, it, I, I brought up some results, DB stuff. Yesterday's showdown slate. It looks it looks like you know a lot of the sharp players were like under on a seventy four hundred dollar tight end for uh, for for Washington, and and over on McKissick. Right, McKissick was nine, 10, 11 percent owned, and a lot of a lot of sharp players had a bunch of McKissick. I, I, I mean, I didn't have as much as these guys, but I had some, I, I, I went more overboard on Diami Brown, which is, which is fine. I had a ton, you know, of, of the, the Tyler Henneke. I was way over on that. Sure. Okay. Right. I had, I had a lot more uh, Slayton, right. seems like sharper players were, were under on Slayton, but I had more Slayton. And then it depends on what you did with uh, Saquon Barkley. Yeah. If he was 16% on at 10,000, like like Neil Corfield, zero percent. But I mean, a lot a lot went you know over. Like J.K. J.B.C. They're just like, yeah. What happens if he plays eighty percent of the snaps and gets two touchdowns? So why the hell not? And obviously under on the defense. Uh, Washington defense was, I think I had it in like a total of three lineups out of eighty. And then the kickers. And I had I had more Dustin Hopkins than Graham Gano, and Graham Gano like broke the slate. But from a showdown strategy perspective. The main thing, if you're playing large field GPPs, is, is uniqueness. That, that, that's it. That's it. Don't worry about anything else as much, right? So, like, if you weren't playing Antonio Gibson at, at 78% ownership, you know, play McKissick. Play other. How can this game go a different way? And, ha- and then also leaving money on the table. I mean, it's like you're not playing lineups that look good. Like, if I, if I, could, if I could condense showdown strategy for large field GPPs into one thing, is that if you build your lineup and you like it, it's a bad lineup. And if you build your lineup and you go, I think I'm throwing money away, then it's po- probably a good lineup. 
<laughs> like that, that's just the way it is, right? Because anyone that's looking at a line, oh, I'm going to play J.D. McKissick at captain with Heineke, Sterling Shepard and Galladay without Jones, play Graham Gano. I mean, like you look at the lineup and go, I, I don't I don't get it. If you don't get the lineup, okay, then it's pro- probably other people aren't going to get it, right? Then, then he may be the only one with that lineup. And then I think it's much more important to be unique or cl- more unique. You don't have to be the only one, right? We saw the winner uh, yesterday. I think it was a 13-way tie. Yeah, 13-way tie. But look how much money. I mean, I think it was 99000 Why are the prizes always off on Results DB? I think it was 99000 not 195000 But we see here. So I don't mind that, right? Anything past like 50,000 on like a showdown, I don't mind. So if I could split it, if it, if it was a 13-way tie, I wouldn't take in this lineup. McLaurin, Jones, Heineke, Shepard, Gano, McKissick. Doesn't seem all that complicated, right? You're playing the wide receiver captain with the quarterback. You're playing a quarterback, right? Sterling Shepard. I mean, this, this, it leaves 2,100 on the table. I mean, that that's the thing, right? Leaving 2,100 on the table. Let's go to the next one that came in second. Leaving 1,400 on the table. With a Daniel Jones stack, with Sterling Shepard. I mean, like these these lineups are are not, are not like not so. Here's one that leaves fifteen hundred on the table. The next one fifteen one fifty six oh two one fifty three point oh five. Here leaves five hundred on the table. I'm assuming this is going to be duped a ton of times, right? This is a much more duplicated lineup. Both kickers, McLaurin, Jones, Heineke, Shepard, five hundred on the table. I'm saying you leave more money left, 2,100 on the table, less, less duplication. It's not a nutso lineup. We have no one that's single digit owned. And it's not like it doesn't make sense. You're using a wide receiver captain and the quarterback with it. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing. This, this lineup makes sense, but only 13 people played it because it's a 47, nine lineup. I made a lot of lineups that I had lineups that are 7,000 on the table. 45,000 total, 40, 40, 46, six, you know, stuff like that. When I win, I want to win the most amount of money. It's not about coming in 732 way tie and you get, and it's a millimaker and you end up with like $2,800. Like you, you just, you just destroy your EV that way. Most likely you're going to lose. We had one guy in the, in the NFL uh, discord that was like, ah, I'm horrible at showdown. Like they just started play, right? They just started playing NFL DFS. And it's like, how many showdowns has have there been so far this year? One, two, three, four, four showdowns. Uh, I lost all four. And playing GPPs. I'm not talking about cash games. I'm not talking about small field stuff. Oh, I lost money in all four of them. It's like I told it, like, how how often do you think I lose my money in in, in showdown? It's like, oh, you probably lose it. I, I I've heard it's more times than not. It's like, well, what, what exactly is more times than not? More times than not, like, uh, do I lose 55% of the time? I said, I lose like 95% of the time. Are you kidding me? 95% of the time, probably more than that. It's like, how do you end that? And, but yet I've, I've still made a, a, over $100,000 in showdown profit. Yeah, because you, you win, win 50000 once. You, fin, you win 55000 another time. You win 15000 another day. There, I have three showdown wins. Over the course of God, who knows how long I've been playing Showdown NFL? Three years? Yeah, but and then all the other times I'm going to lose money. Now it depends on how much money you lose. A lot of times I'm not losing. I'm losing thirty percent. You know, something like that. Depends. It depends on the slate. It's like you got you got to play for free. I, I I mean, this is this is DFS in general. This is GPP play in general. It is the biggest edge in all of DFS. It's the biggest edge in general as a concept. People building lineups not to win first. That's where a lot of that's where a lot of the edge in DFS is. Finding the best plays ain't an edge anymore. It's not hard to find the best plays from a median perspective, right? If you can go into this this NFL slate, like it's not hard to like. Well, uh, Najee Harris, Cooper Cup, one of the the, the Cowboys receivers, uh, Al. You know that obviously the Cowboys uh, Chargers game. You play you, you play punt the tight end and you know, whatever. I mean play Prescott or whoever it, I mean, you could play, oh, Chris Carson projects well. I mean, it's not that hard to play the best plays. You're not going to win first that way. You know, maybe win first with a couple of these guys, but not like in general. And people will build their lineups based on like who are the best plays. 
and they get different. Like they'll play the million. They'll all get different in one spot. It's like, that ain't enough. That ain't enough. Right. And you see tons of those lineups by the cash line. Right. Sometimes they cash. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they, sometimes they forex. That to me, that's the dead money. If you're playing GPPs. So if you're going to play something, especially showdown, showdown, I don't even care about anything other than first, at least in, in some of the, like you play the slant and you come in third place and that's $20,000. It's like, okay, okay. That's pretty good. I can aim for, I aim for top tens and showdown the 10th best lineup. Ain't going to love, well, what's the 10th best lineup, right? Cause of all the ties, right? If you came in second place, you got $3,100 based on this. I don't even know what the hell it was. Probably lower than that. What's the, the third best lineup? $1,500. The fourth best lineup, $387.88. You had the fourth, fourth place, $387.88. You've got to aim for first. You've got to aim for first. And, and, and the less lineups you're playing, the more that you should be aiming for first. The more you should be inclined to take on risk. When you're playing 150 lineups, you have to have some regard to like the, the, uh, on, on your, the variance of your bankroll. Right. I understand if you're playing 150 lineups and you have like you have, OK, I, I, I like this coming this coming uh, N, uh, NFL Sunday. Like if you wanted to just X out, just X out this Cowboys Chargers game completely from your player pool and built 150 lineups. I, I think that would be plus EV. The thing is, is that there'll be a lot of slates where you're going to lose like all of your money. <laughs> like you're going to lose it all. Right. Either, either the game goes off and you're dead, dead. Or one or two guys from that game uh, end up, you know, putting up ceiling scores and you're going to need like at least one of them, right, to win. So in the cases that the game busts completely, you're in great, you're in great shape, right, with all the ownership that's going to be there. The thing is, is that if you're playing, let's say you're playing three lineups, five lineups into a large field GPP, even a small field one, I guess, I'd be more inclined to do that. If I was playing, if I was playing a three max like five, th- if I was playing the power sweep, for instance, and that was the only thing I was doing, playing the power sweep, $150 three max, I'd play three lineups that had not, not known from that game. And those were my only entries. And I had a bankroll, obviously, like I'm still only playing two or 3% of my bankroll, right? Like that. Why not? If that game busts, you have a great shot at winning first place with nearly God knows how many lineups, any, any lineup you want, practically. When you have 150 lineups, you have 200 lineups, 300 lineups, like you're, you're putting a lot more volume. So you're putting, you're putting in $10,000 and go, I'm not going to get any return if this game goes off. Like, no, you're probably going to sprinkle, you, you may be under on the game, but you'll have some lineups that, because when you compare two lineups together, they could be fairly equal, right? They could be a lineup that here's a lineup with none, no one from that game. And here's a lineup with like one or two guys from that game. And they project similarly. One's a little bit more owned. And you go, well, maybe I'll play some of these lineups that have at least one or two guys from that game. Just so if that game goes off, at least I have, like, I, I don't lose 98% of my money. I may lose 50%, but it's not 98%. And also, I still have a shot. If those, are the, those, those lineups can still win first place. So that's why the less lineups you have, the more risky you should be. The more lineups you have, you, 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 start, you start jamming in and go, I'm going to just X out the, I'm going to X out the, the 10 chalkies players and just wait for a carnage slate. Like it will happen. The question is, will you have a bankroll by the time that happens? That's, that's the problem. Realizing the EV. Going through the YouTube chat. Feel free to post whatever you want. I'll always scroll back. So it, so it doesn't matter. I'm not talking about something you don't want to talk about. You want to talk about something else? Uh, fine. Post it in the YouTube chat. Uh, Tyler Woodfield bought theory of DFS today with my Tony Hawk NFT earnings. Highly recommended so far. Well, thank you. You probably flipped that. You, yeah, you probably flipped it. You got your 125 bucks and you bought it, right? I talk about all this type of stuff. If you want me in your pocket, just get the theory of daily fantasy sports. It's a 15 hour audio DFS masterclass. Theory of DFS.com has all the chapters. It, it applies to all the sports. Right. You have all these chapters here. Game objectives, player selection, expected value, leverage, correlation, construction, risk management, exploit, psychology. And you can refer to it any time. A lot of people, like they listen to the whole thing through once. They play for a couple of weeks and then they listen to it again. They go, okay, am I doing those concepts better? Am I doing these things better? 
then it starts then it starts coming to you. Then you start thinking more logically. Then you start you start thinking like a professional DFS player. It's like, oh, now I understand what Jordan meant by like not predicting outcomes. You don't even think about them, right? You're like, what's gonna happen? I don't know. All I know are probabilities. I don't, I don't know what's gonna actually happen, right? You start building lineups and you go, well, who should I play? It becomes a stupid question. Right. Once you once you get it, once it clicks, then you understand why I say there's so many stupid questions. Do I play this guy or that guy? Well, what's your lineup? What's the contest? What I mean, you could you can play anyone you want in the context of the lineup that you're playing in the contest that you play. So it's lineups, not players. You get all that in this course. Uh, Con Campbell, any chance you could talk about a little cash game research using the lineup HQ? Uh, yeah, cash game research is, is, is a button. Cash game research, what projections are you using? You could aggregate projections if you want. And essentially, you're playing the top optimal lineup or one of the top optimal lineups. Look, there you go. I press the button. This is the gridiron IQ projections. Here's the top median scoring lineup, 153.56. And this is what it looks like. And it has double tight end, Saints, Saints defense, but the Green Iron, as of right now, I mean, obviously projections may change slightly, but let's say you don't want to play this line. You go, I don't want to play double tight end. I don't want to do that. I don't want to play Brady. I want, I want to play, I want to play Justin Herbert. Okay. Well then, then lock him in and then run it again. Right. So essentially it's a one V one, right. If you want to play him instead, or what you could also do if you wanted, Right. Set everything on default. 49, five, what it doesn't matter. You're probably spending all your money anyway. And build and build uh, 10 lineups. No stacks, no nothing. Don't worry about it, right? You're just playing median lineups, right? So here we go. Just using the gridiron IQ. Am I using the right projection set? Is this working? Limit, oh, limit. Okay, I, I got to click that. Okay. Build. So here we go. Okay. We got Brady Carson Harris is 153.44. Why is why is this not coming? 153.56. It's actually a higher lineup. You can pick one of these lineups. So if you want to play this type of lineup, Brady Carson, Harris, Chase, Cup, Lamb, Fant, Cooper. So you're not playing Higby in this lineup. Here's a Higby lineup, right? Herbert, Carson, Harris, Cup. And then he played double tight end with Noah Fant. Or like, obviously, you know, these are the, these are the gridiron IQ projections. Let's go to the blitz. As of now, as of currently, as of five Friday at 11 a.m. So. This is going to be adjustments, right? This is the last updated last night, probably for the showdown. Slip. So you could run the optimal. And see, okay, based on the blitz projections, it's it's close. You have Adam Troutman in here in the tight end spot. Herbert Carson, Harris, Woods. And let's say you didn't want to play. I don't want to play Woods. I don't care what it says. I don't want to play. You did remove him from the player. Right, go down here, take out Woods. Where's Woods? Where'd he go? What's his price? 5,700? Right, X him out and then run it again. Okay, what's the next line without wood? Oh, Fournette. Oh, am I going to play Fournette in cash? I mean, this is what you could do. Go back. You can include Woods back in. Or you could do like I did before and run, run 10 lineups. Or you could even aggregate. You go, oh, I'm, I want to use, you know, so I pay for the blitz projections, right? I have gridiron IQ projections, and I want to aggregate them together, half and half. You know, you could do that also and then see what comes out. Or pick one of the top five or ten lineups. You know, you if you if you're like, no, there's no way I'm not going to play X guy, then X then lock him in, right? If you're just like, no, I'm not playing Brady in cash. I want to play Dak Prescott in cash. Well, then lock him in. That's fine. See what the best what the best median lineup from that point is. I'm definitely playing Prescott and Cup and Lamb and Najee Harris. Okay, then lock those guys in and and run it. For cash games, I don't I don't see why you would be spending more than about 60 seconds on your cash lineup at all. I do my cash lineup like five minutes before lock. Right? Or once all the inactives are in or whatever. 
right? The updates are in 12:15, something like that. And I go, okay, let me let me choose let me choose between like the top five, 10 lineups. Oh, this, this, I know people are gonna play that guy. Okay, I want to block that. And then there you go. Or if you don't even want to, if you want to take it all, all the choice out, just play, just aggregate whatever projection sets you have and whatever the top optimal is, just that's what it is. Doesn't matter. Double tight end, who cares? Right. If you trust your projection model, then the top median optimal is gonna be over a million slates, gonna be the highest EV. But obviously the next nine are going to be extremely close, right? The difference of the first one and the second one is, is like, like, I mean, like, let's take a look here, right? 155 point, 153.44, 153.33, <laughs> 0.11 difference in median, right? The next one is a 0 0.31, 0 0.21, right? I mean, it's like the, you're not even getting to a half a point. It's a, a, a quarter of a point. Quarter of a point, quarter of a point, right? The top 10 lineups, the difference is a quarter, like a half, less than half of a point. They're all good. Feel free to choose the one that, that, that you like the best, right? Whichever one. Put it into random.org. Go, I'm going to run 10 lineups and then I'm going to go to random.org, right? I'm going to go there. I'm going to allow all the, whatever. You're going to go true round. Okay, you're going to do one to 10. And you go, okay, so I got my 10 lineups. Right, where, where are my 10 lineups? Okay, here's my 10 lineups, the top 10. I'm going to go, okay, what am I playing in cash? Nine, there you go, and play the ninth one. You could, if you want, if you wanted to do that, if you want to take, 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 it's like, okay, I don't have to, I'm not going to try to, I'm not going to introduce my own bias and make a choice. I'm just going to play one of the top 10 lineups, and there you go. And obviously, once the slate starts, and then you could late swap later, and go, oh, I didn't get this guy right, and I got to make up ground, or I want to block, you know, right? Oh, I. The guy that's only 12% in cash that I have put up 35 points. So now I don't have CD lamb in this roster and you know, he's going to be 47% owned. So now I'm going to swap to block people with CD lamb. Like you could do stuff like that after lock. But the if you trust your projections, the difference in like the top 10, top 20 lineups, top 50 lineups, even is not all that drastic. So if you, if you want, if you wanted to randomly select one, that's, that's perfectly fine as well. Uh, let's see. Do, do, do. Initial thoughts on tomorrow's EPL slate. I'll, I'll talk. I'll, I'll, I'll mention soccer a little bit. Uh, if you had to guess right now, he'll be the highest on player of the week. It's going to be Najee Harris. You could look at the ownership projections. What, what do we have to worry about it now? Just look on it. Uh, Joe Marino, do you ever look at correlations amongst players on the same team on ASA when pl making player groups? No. I'm building, I'm building certain constructions. I'm building two plus ones, three plus ones, three plus zeros. I'm using groups just to make sure I get combinations that I want. That's nothing to do with the actual, the actual correlation between, you know, 0.2 versus 0.17. I, I don't, I really don't care. It's very small sample sizes. And it depends on the, also the, the price of the guys, like, you know, Julio Jones and AJ Brown, like guys that once we get into the receivers that are above 6,000 above 7,000, you're playing them together. Like it's hard, it's in large field, it's hard to get ceilings out of both of them. They you wouldn't have rather had another guy. So maybe you're splitting them out. But I'm not looking at the actual like 0.14 positive correlation. Like it, it doesn't, doesn't matter. I'm, I'm using the groups to build lineups, not, not maximize on correlation. Uh, do, 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 do. Matthew P says Fournette might be the worst cash running back on the slate. Well, the blitz, the blitz has him pretty high. Michael Dompier, I just started using the blitz. If you have time and you think it is worth the time, can you talk about deflated versus agnostic for the defense projections? Yes. It's explained on the blitz page. There's multiple blitz. I've, I asked for, this is what I asked for like two years ago. Uh, these are mostly for like, if you want to, like the problem is, here, even the gridiron IQ projections. So let, let's, let's go to the blitz projections and look at defense. Just in general, this, this is more conceptual. It has nothing to do with the blitz. Defense is the most variant position there is in football for DFS purposes. Good luck predicting you know, the defensive touchdowns and special team stuff. So if we look at a point per dollar values perspective, the Jets are going to be like number one, Browns number two. Like the optimizer is going to, 
because they have a projection, it's going to jam. It's going to start jamming in defenses that have a high point per dollar value. It's trying to get you the most amount of median fantasy points into your lineup. But since defense is so variant, I almost don't even care who's in the defensive slot in my GPP lineups. So do I want all the Jets there? Do I want to have to worry about capping these things so I can get a more diverse set? Or what I could do is I could go to defense deflated, which means it'll it'll narrow out the defenses, the projections on the defenses. It'll still make the top point per dollar defenses the highest. So we see here, the Jets are still the highest, but look, the point, but like the different, the range of outcomes between all the defenses are very, are very small or smaller. They're deflated. So if you still wanted to take into account uh, defensive projections, but didn't want to have that drastic of an effect on your, you know, 150 lineup build, 20 lineup build, whatever, you'd use defense deflated. So it's all the other projections for all the other players are the same, just that the defenses are. You know, instead of one being eight and the other being four, now it's like, you know, one being five and one being seven, like kind of condensing more. And then if you use the agnostic ones, that means all of the defenses have the same point per dollar. All of them do. So we'll go here. Point per dollar value. Right. Fourth. Oh, no, that's not defense. Right. Look, all the point per dollar value is 2.5. These aren't the actual projections. But like the Rams are 4,500. They're going to give you 11.25 points, right? It's all the same point per dollar value. So when you run, basically, it means that whatever lineup you run, it's it's essentially not taking defense. Defense is like the last, it just gets thrown in, right? Because they're all, the matter for a point per dollar value, it's all going to be the same. So if you wanted to use defense agnostic, most likely, depending on the players that you're playing in the rest of your lineups, it's going to give you, like, it just naturally will give you a diversified set of defenses because they're all the same. They basically, it says they're all the same, put in, put in whoever you want at that point. So that that's the only difference. The true actual projections are the, are the blitz projections, but for the usage of optimizers, for the usage of like, Oh, I want to build a cash lineup and I don't care who I'm playing at defense. Like, yeah, then use the agnostic ones and go, look, what, 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 what does it matter? And then you're playing something like the, you have the Cowboys defense there. Right, you have Cup, Cooper, Woods, Harris, Carson, Troutman, Allen, Cooper. I mean, whatever. You go, oh, do I want to play the Cowboys defense? Well, I mean, if, if you don't care about defense, there's the lineup. Right, something like that. So that's the difference between the three projection sets, and it's explained on the the Blitz uh, the page on on Roto Grinders. Let's see. Real King says, time for my weekly reminder. We are playing lineups, not players. Would, would you mind saying it for the people in the back of the room, please? Okay. For the people in the back, we're playing lineups. We're playing lineups, not players. Oh, let's see. Soccer. If people wanted to, to talk about soccer this, this weekend. Soccer is, uh, yeah, we got the... Uh, Basically, Liverpool and Man City are humongous favorites at home, right? Minus 485 against Crystal Palace, minus 386 against uh, 636 against Southampton. And then we got, you know, Arsenal away to Burnley. And we got Norwich uh, at home to Watford. So basically, like from, from a goal perspective, it's going to be mostly Liverpool and Man City. The problem is, is that uh, there may be a lot of rotation. They, they, both these teams played on Wednesday in the Champions League. So I don't know who's the I don't know who's going to start. We may not get we may not get Robertson. We may get Samikis. You may get Nico Williams instead of Trent Alexander Arnold. We don't know if Kevin De Bruyne's going to play again. Jack Grealish has been starting every game. Maybe he gets a rest. Like it's 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 tough. But for GPPs, okay, understand the difference between floor and ceiling in soccer. These projections are very goal dependent. Okay. Guys that take set pieces and cross the ball and take shots and are more active are more likely to get, like Trent Alexander-Arnold gets to his median without a goal or an assist. Kevin De Bruyne could get there without a goal or an assist. 
Grealish without a goal or an assist. Even Pepe, if he's going to take a monopoly of set pieces for Arsenal, like he can get the 13. A goal is 12 points, right? You get 10 points for the goal, one point for the shot, one point for the shot on goal, okay? But guys that are like in the set, like Jota, like Jota's not getting a 14.93 without at least an assist, right? He's the center forward. He's going to touch the ball the least, and he's going to be closest to goal. Maybe in a game where he doesn't score or doesn't assist, he has four shots, two on target, one foul drawn, right? Seven points, probably a foul as well. So six and a half, right? So like this mid, like he's not getting 14.93. He's getting 14.93 if he has a goal or an assist. But guys that have like, like we take a look at Milos Rushishka, 10.52 for Norwich. Well, he's going to be on at least half the, the set piece, corners, free kicks. He's 5,100. If he doesn't score a goal, he could still get to 10 and a half. He could outscore uh, Yoda. Yoda has a much higher chance of scoring a goal, but Rashid has much more of a chance of, he has nine crosses, one shot, three chances created. Like he has a whole bunch of stuff, peripherals. He plays for one of the worst teams, Norwich, right? But that's what you have to consider in soccer. So in ca- when you're playing like cash games, or at least the staples of your lineup, you're thinking more about these types of guys. Guys that could get, get you double digits, even without a goal or an assist. And if they do get a goal or an assist, they, now they have 20, 30 points, right? And then for GPP, you're looking for goals. Now, obviously, like Mohamed Salah, if, assuming he starts for Liverpool, has the highest anytime goal scoring odds on the slate, minus 200. Okay, he's also going to be popular, but he's 10-8. One goal, if he gets 16 points at 10-8, you, you could probably find 16 points elsewhere on the slate. Now, if he gets 30 points, well, then, then you're going to need him. Right? Then you're going to need him. So a lot of times in GPP, the key thing is to look, is to look for uh, your set-piece takers, your underpriced set-piece takers, whatever, uh, active players. And then if can you find cheap goals? Okay. Can we find cheap goals? And you could, you could look at a, like a sports book and see the anytime goal scoring odds if you want. But on this slate, uh, this coming up, from an from a anytime goal scoring perspective, uh, like someone like Timo Puki for Norwich, 5,600, I think his anytime goal scoring odds is like plus 175. So that is a cheap goal because like, yeah, he's not going to get nine points. He's either going to get like three points or like 15 points. Okay, but if you could get the 15 for 5.6K, now you're in much better shape. So, so Ashley Barnes for Burnley, if he starts, 4,900. I think his anytime goal scoring odds is plus 220, right? 4,900. Can I get a cheap goal? Can I get a goal? If Salah scores a goal at 10.8, can I find a goal at substantially lower price than that? Obviously, like Yota at 8300 obviously obama yang at 7700 yeah but they're they're not they're not that that much cheaper torres or jesus like anyone that's like 7k or above sar raheem sterling i mean yeah there are there are goals here right but a lot of times i'm like can i find one guy that could just score a goal most likely be under 10 percent owned in gpp that have a big big step up on the field especially since you need to fill two forward spots and then you pair people together. You go, oh, if this guy scores a goal, what is more likely to happen? Right? If Pookie scores a goal, let's say we play Pookie in our lineup. Well, who would assist Pookie? Probably a fullback or a wide Cantwell or Rajishka or, or one of the fullbacks. So maybe we play Rajishka with him, right? So like Rajishka and Pookie. And we say if Norwich, if Norwich wins, maybe the, they also have a clean sheet. Right, so we play Coral, and we also play a fullback that could have resisted on the Pookie goal as well as get a clean sheet. So like Max Aaron's or Williams, Brandon Williams, who projects better? Aaron's by a little, but I mean they're both kind of the one point six seven, one point five. Yeah, play play Max Aaron's. So there you go. Now you got your Norwich kind of like, which is going to be contrarian. I can tell you that. But now look how much salary you got left. Right now you could go in, and now you go. I'm going to play Robertson. Right, I play the Liverpool. Liverpool is gonna, you know, score uh, Robertson to Yota. 
here because he's midfield and forward eligible. So you're kind of pairing that up. Still $7,600 left. And then you go, uh, you know, then maybe get get some floor. Maybe you play Trent Alexander-Arnold also. Now you have a $6,200 midfielder left. Who's 6200 Who can we play? Tiago is a, quite expensive. For, I don't know if you play Tiago. But you can, I guess. Right? Because you got to play a third team also. You can't just play two teams in your lineup. Let's say instead of Leota, you play Salah. Let's say it's like, okay, I, I could play a chalky Salah because because of whatever. And they have 3,700 left. Oh, I left out all the midfielders. That's why. 30, let's, let's put Yoda back. Where's Yoda? Yoda. Right, because you got the pairing. Robertson, Alexander-Arnold, Yoda. 6,200. Is there anyone at 6,200? It's playable. Ashley Westwood, I guess. Doesn't have much of a ceiling, but he will take set pieces for Burnley. So maybe you play something like that. This would be high. This would be very contrarian tomorrow. So that's kind of how you would build GPP lineups for for uh, for DraftKings. And you have no Man City exposure here at all. And since you have no Man City exposure, maybe you play the goalkeeper against them. Right? It's a zero-zero game. Or you could do something like this, but this is kind of how you would build GPP lineups in, in soccer. Do you play five guys from the same team? Not necessarily. I, I mean, yeah. Could we play? Can we play a Salah, Mane, Jota? Yeah, you're going to run out of salary at some point. Or Man City. I'm going to play Sterling and De Bruyne and uh, and then and, and Mares if he's in, and like, you're going to run out of salary. And then punt two $2,500 defenders. That's typically not that great of a build. Unless the defenders somehow score a goal. But in cash games, you're thinking more about... you When, when you're playing cash games, by default, I'm not saying you go fully in this direction. Think about if every game was 0-0, what would the best lineup be? Right? If, the, if there's no goals that get scored, obviously Salah doesn't get there. But it could be that Trent Alexander-Arnold and Robertson get there, set pieces and, and crosses. They, they're both sitting there with 16 points each. You go, okay, they could get there. You look at, uh, you look at uh, Kevin De Bruyne, maybe, or Jack Grealish. He could get there. They could get there on set pieces and, and shots and everything else. You look at Arsenal, Nicholas Pepe. Well, he takes all their corners. Well, he could get there. You take a look at Watford and Norwich. You go Rajishka. You go, uh, you know, Emmanuel Dennis or someone like that. Maybe some of the fullbacks. Okay, they could get there, even without a goal or an assist. And you're kind of playing those types of players. As default. You can't get them all in. You may, you may want some goal scoring upside. Maybe you do play Mohamed Salah in cash games. You could. It's a little bit more higher variance, but you have a higher ceiling there. That would be the difference between cash games and GPPs in DraftKings soccer. If you're playing on FanDuel, it's a completely different scoring system. So ignore everything of what I've said. Uh, let's see. Go through MMA, please. Okay, well, we'll, we'll do MMA. Tony Ripa says, are you religious? Sort of. I'm blitz agnostic. I put whatever defense I want and pray to my football god in the sky and hope it goes crazy. Sure. Jesse Atfield, what's your process for determining what slates you play? Day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, do you and your partner sit down with the slates and predetermine when you'll be at work? No, I don't do that. I'm always at work, right? DFS comes, comes before everything else. That, that's what happens when when you when when you uh, when you, you take your significant other to Hawaii and you buy your stuff right, get a new car, you know, like some stuff like that. Then then it's like, oh, it's time for lineups. Like, okay, lineup lineup time is my time, right? Uh, I play whatever slates I'm available to play. My my number one thing is that I have to be like a hundred percent all in. I don't play like. Sometimes it's like, oh, I may be, I may be out. I may be, you know, it may be, no, then, then it's, I don't play, right? If I'm all in. So like, 
I could have played Europa Slates, Europa League soccer yesterday, but I wasn't going to be all in. I was in, I was going to be doing something else. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be available by at at I'll be available at two o'clock, but not like I don't. And then I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it. Right. So like MLB, like I'm not in MLB mode. Can I can I show up a half an hour before tonight's slate and make competitive plus EV MLB lineups? Yes. But I don't know what's been going on in the past two weeks. Who's good? What? Uh, what who's this guy in this lineup? I I just. I'd, I'd rather either be all in or not be all in. So even when I do shows, when I do the Monday and Thursday showdown shows for NFL, I play less volume because I have to do it before. I have to do it, you know, 650. I have to make my lineups. And then like during the show, if anything happens or any type of consideration, I can't do anything. So I'm going to be playing less volume. But Sunday, Sunday night, I may be playing more because I'm not doing the show. Right. So to me, that's how I determine what slates am I going to play? Am I going heavy on, on, on like last, last week I was playing like a uh, massive multi-entry on like DK and FanDuel. Cause it was all these contests and all the millies and all the stuff. And, and it's a, and it, I can't do everything all at once. It was, it was a pain in the ass last week. So this week coming up, I'm just going to be playing a cash line on FanDuel. I'm just going to be playing uh, small field, single entry lineups on, on DraftKings and a cash lineup also. And kind of scale that down and see, can I do that better than try to do a million things at once? To me, that that's how I view it. But because I'm not doing MME on, on Sunday, maybe I do, maybe I may do the after, maybe, maybe then I play the afternoon only slate as opposed to, you know, the week before I didn't, right? Cause I have, I have a less, I have the less, I, I don't have 150 lineups to late swap. But I go through and go, how do I get this one? Do I go this? Because that takes a long time. And you could screw it up, right? So like, since I'm not doing that now, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe I play, maybe I play a single entry three max lineups in the, in the afternoon only slate. Maybe I do that. I'm, I have time to dedicate to it. So that's how I decide. Okay. Psych M87. I know most of the time you want correlation, but highest projecting teams like Tampa instead of running back with Falcons run back using other high team total like charge. I, okay, these maybe someone needs to take a grammar class. I don't know. It seems like a lot of nouns and not enough prepositions and, and that they can join all of them. No, correlation and we got, we got the like, three levels. Okay. You always have to think of things like levels. Projection. Correlation, leverage, okay? It's not one or the other. It's a balance of the three. So it's like, oh, I want to play correlate. I want to play a lineup that's three plus one with a secondary correlate. Like maybe the correlation isn't worth it, right? How many points are you are you giving up for the sake of the correlation? If you believe it's too much, then don't, then don't play it, right? So like you're mentioning something like the highest, like if, if you play the, 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 Cowboys and the Chargers, and then you want to play a secondary from Tam. I want to play Godwin plus Ridley or something like that. Well, maybe, maybe you don't. Maybe there's another, there's, there are other players that are project higher that you'd rather play. Like, for instance, in this, in this uh, Raiders Steelers game, for instance, like Najee Harris projects well, but not like everyone else in the game is not, it doesn't, I mean, they're not bad. But we take a look at this flex, right? I mean, it's like Najee Harris and then like kind of like, eh, meh. I mean, they're not going to be owned. But like Deontay Johnson, 2.34 point per dollar. It's, he's, he projects meh. 6,400, obviously CeeDee Lamb's going to be more owned in that range. 6.2% owned. So, go, well, why don't I play, uh, you know, or Waller or Edwards or Ruggs or any... Like, oh, if I play Najee Harris, I have to play Darren Wall. It's like, do you have to? Other tight ends may project better. It may be fine to just play Najee Harris in a line. You don't need the correlation to the other side of the game. Or in non-Najee Harris lineups, I'm going to play Deontay Johnson for, for leverage, which you can. But obviously, you're going to be giving up projection for doing so. Look, you're going to be, look, you're spending almost the same amount of money, 6,400 versus 6,300, obviously a different position. You're giving up like 
five and a half points in projection, which means the rest of your lineup, you're going to be more likely to put in projection and not worry as much about correlation or leverage, right? Those levers. So it's not one or the other. It's not like you must correlate or you must find leverage. No, it's, it's a mix of all three. Is this correlation worth the, the lower projection that you're getting? Is this leverage worth the lower projection that you're getting? The projection is 50 points lower. Yeah, they're probably not worth it. Probably, they can't be that correlated, right? You probably can't make up 50 points in relative value. So that isn't worth the leverage, but there's going to be a point. What that point is, I don't know. You could run simulations and see and come closer where you can guess. I tend to guess pretty, pretty well, right? Okay, are we going to talk about MME now? MMA, MMA, whatever, MMA. We're going to talk MMA. I got my MMA stuff. Just on the RG stuff, which is, this, the ownership that we have on RG is not is not right. Because we still have, I believe, Nicholas Moda is still in. Right? I think if, if I change the height on projected, it'll still, okay, no. Or did we update? We removed. I have no idea. But Moda was like 50% owned. So there's the, obviously that's going to affect the projected ownership on RG. So are we going to change this? No, it looks it looks as uh, Joaquin Butley is 34. Anthony Smith is 37. I don't know if that's updated. Anthony Smith is third. No, yeah. So this is what we have currently. And I'll, I'll and we also don't have an inside the distance in round one line for Zoo. The Zoo Jenkins fight, because Jenkins is a last minute replacement. But Zoo is going to be the chalkiest guy in the slate because he was the underdog in the original fight. And now he's going to be the massive favorite in the new fight. And DraftKings doesn't change their price. So he's going to be a minus 315 favorite at 7,600. So obviously the best leverage play on the entire slate is Brandon Jenkins at 6,700. It's going to, I'm assuming so. I'm assuming once we get this, these numbers in, he's going to be 7% owned and Zoo is going to be 56% owned. Uh, yeah, it doesn't mean I don't play Zoo. I'm just saying that you, you're not getting any, you get, when you put Zoo into your lineup, you're going to have to get different elsewhere. The main event isn't that bad, but if we take a look, like to me, the, the fight that's interesting, that most interests me is the Kasanganai uh, Arroyo fight, right? It's Kasanganai, no, Kasanganai and Harris are fighting. No, yeah, the two fights are the Harris Kasang and I and the, the Buckley Arroyo fights. Okay. I think they're the under-owned fights. Now, Kasang and I comes up really well here because if he's only going to be 7% owned, he is like the out of all the favorites outside of these two women, uh, 390 inside the distance is pretty bad. For 8,900, he's only a minus 117 favorite. Like he's like, he's going to be the lowest owned like favorite, I believe, on the entire slate but he still has a 20% chance of winning inside the distance. He still has a 12% chance of winning inside round one, right? So if he's only going to be 7% owned, he's going to show up with a, a massive amount of like leverage because people are going to play Kudalaba or Smith or Nchukwi even, right? They're like, you know, someone up here. They're going to try to jam in stars and scrubs. So no one's going to play him. I mean, like he's going to be seven, maybe even too high. Uh, and a lot of people are going to play his opponent, Carlston Harris. Outside of, of the main event, Span, and obviously Zoo, who's technically not, technically a favorite, even though he's priced as an underdog. Carlston Harris is going to be the most owned non-main event underdog. And he fights Kasanganai. So that's, obviously, that's a leverage spot. Because that's, that's all this sheet is doing, is just identifying leverage. And then I use these numbers to, to make my lineups. So I know if I have enough leverage. Right, like that type of thing. Doesn't say that that's the best play. From an EV perspective, it is the best play because he's gonna he's gonna score over a hundred points more often than seven percent. That's all. That's all this is saying. Doesn't say it's gonna happen. Just say if he's gonna be seven percent owned, he's gonna he's gonna put up a hundred points more often than seven percent of the time. But not like that much more often, but still often enough. And then the Arroyo Buckley fight is just, I just think is under owned in general. Minus 105 inside the distance. If he's going to be 34% owned, he's okay. He's up here, but the Royo down here, Arroyo currently has a plus 270 inside the distance, which is one of the best 
out of the underdogs, not as good as Harris. But if he's going to be 10% owned with plus 270 inside the distance at 6,900, especially if people are going to be playing Harris as their low price kind of kind of guy, like Buckley, and if Buckley's going to be 34% owned, I mean, that that's pretty good leverage. So like Arroyo, he may be my most owned underdog. Then according to this ownership, if, if JP buys, it's going to be three, he'll be the lowest owned fighter on the entire slate against one of the highest owned fighters on the entire slate. Montel Jackson versus JP buys. So he comes up as a lot of leverage, but I mean, he's horrible, <laughs> but still based on the round one odds, he's going to win in the first round based on these odds, 6% of the time. But he's going to be 3% though. So that's all that, remember, that's all this is saying. Comparing the likelihood of, of scoring 100 plus points versus their ownership. That's it. That's all, that's all this is doing. Then, then now I have the, now I have the numbers to build my lineups properly. So I could still play Montel Jackson in lineups, but because he's only 0.91 here, I got to find to make that up. He's probably going to be in lineups that have Arroyo in it, right? To make it up on the other side, right? I can still play Carlston Harris, even though he's comes in as one of the lowest, you know, rated underdogs because of his ownership. But I would have to probably play, you know, I would probably have to play Sarukian or, you know, some, uh, and Bandy Bohm, right, in that lineup to make up for the lack of leverage. And this is obviously without knowing what Zoo and Jenkins, like these ratings, 0 0.02 and point, uh, it's only because these fields aren't filled in. The line, the line, if you go to best fight odds, it's, it, I'll, I'll re refresh this again. No book has an ITD around one line for them yet. Five, right, there's nothing. Right, minus 300, 240, but no other, no other, there's nothing. Under two and a half rounds, minus 130. So it's, it should be fairly high for Ron, but I don't know yet. So I, I won't have a rating until I know, until I know exactly what that is. Uh, let's see. Microstakes Poker Challenge, which is really, well, who are your parents? Really bad name. Uh, still trying to understand the rating calculation you have. All it, all, all it is, is I'm weighting each of these numbers and this projection against this ownership and getting a number where one is in the middle. That's all I care about. As long as one is in the middle. And depending on the slate, I change these weightings. Okay? The bigger the slate, the more I care about round one. The smaller the slate, the more I care about winning. Okay? So that's all that is. It's weighing each of these. I'm not going to tell you the exact weights because I don't want to give you the exact number. Once you have the exact number, then you're going to end up building the same lineups as me. And the whole point of MMA is to be more unique. So I can't give you the exact weightings, but I am weighting these. But the general concept is on a smaller slate, like a lot of times people are like, oh, can I get, can I get a Devin Clark win? Right? Can I get a win out of him? Can I get Devin Clark to get... 65 points in a win, which is fine at 7,200. That made value. Now on a nine-five card, 10-five card, that may be fine. There's only so many fights. There's 10 fights. There's only 10 chances of having an early finish, which typically scores fairly well, pretty well. We have 14 fights on the slate. So even though Carson Harris could make value at six, with 6,500 or something in a win or one of these guys, he may not be in the optimal line. Right, because they're probably they out of fourteen fights. If there's six finishes, the the finishes are going to be in the line, especially if they're underdog finishes. So if Arroyo comes out and puts up 118 points, finishing in the first round, like none of these other underdogs are going to matter anymore. Getting 65 ain't going to matter, and since there are more available to do so, you should care more about winning early, let alone not caring about who's going to win. I don't care about winning. I care about winning first in a GPP that's large field. So this is all geared towards large field GPPs. So yeah, Impa Kasanganai has one of the lowest shots of winning inside the distance amongst all the favorites. But if he's only going to be 7% owned, how often do I need? He, he could show up, knock, knock out, and have a quick win with 118 points. It's not going to happen that often. But when it happens, I, I make a lot of money because his opponent is owned and he's 
Only 7% based on this. Does that mean I'm jamming him into 80% of my lineups? No, of course not. But that's why this win, like, like obviously 7.7 .7 win leverage, because, you know, he's still a 54% shot at winning is high. But I mean, this, this ITD in round one is, is also, that's why I say for JP buys. Like the only reason he's rated 1.14 is because he's 3% owned. If we move his ownership up to six, he's horrible, right? Look, look at that difference. 3%. Oh, positive. 6% garbage right five percent still not bad not great four percent uh average three percent okay now he's getting a deposit only because look at the round one for six percent 94 percent of the time he doesn't get it done right but if he's going to be three percent owned i'll probably be more i'll probably have more than three percent of it. but you tell me he's nine percent owned and i may have i may x him out of my entire may x him out of my whole pool I, I never asked anyone out. He may be in one or two lines, right? So that's how small the differences are here, right? That's why like the zoo ownership is going to matter versus his ITD. If he's going to be 56% owned, I can't see him be like, let's say he was a minus 110 and a 250 round one, right? Even that, which is high, which is very similar to guys up here. Let's say it was similar to Montel Jordan, minus 140, 180. Let's just say, let's just, just say minus 140. One, I don't think he's going to be this high. Like he rates out as meh. In comparison to some guys in his range, he's not, he's, he's not that bad at 56% owned. Now let's say he's only going to be 20% owned. He'd be the best play on the entire slate. I'd be jamming him in if he's only going to be 20% owned, but he's not. Let's say he's 40% owned with those, now he's okay. Now he's 1.03. Now he's okay. Closer to efficiently owned, right? If he was, let's say, 42%. Like one, that one range is kind of like the efficiency line, right? So if he was 41% owned, like there, there. If he was minus 315 to win, minus 140 inside the distance, and plus 180 in round one and 41% owned, he would be efficiently owned, essentially. That, that's essentially what I'm saying in, based on this, but he's not going to be. I mean, he's going to be 56% owned and he's probably going to be like something like, like 150 and 275 or like you know, something like that. I don't know when the lines come out. Even though he's a great shot at winning, even though, you know, but he's just, he's going to be drastically over-owned. Does that mean he can't go out and put up 100 plus points? Of course he can, but not enough to warrant 56% ownership. If, if obviously if these inside the distance and around one are those and he's 56% the numbers have to be right so that's all that that's all this is saying so this allows me to now build lineups that have appropriate amount of leverage but essentially what I want there's six fighters in a lineup and I want a lineup that is over six total in total rating so that's how I do it and I weight them appropriately. On the last, the last card, when there were only nine fights, this the weight on the win was much higher, and the weight on the round one was much lower. So I didn't need to prioritize round one wins because with only nine fights, there they may not be any round one wins, but there's less likely because there's less fights. So getting wins, just getting six wins, there's only going to be nine winners because there's only nine fights. So getting six out of the nine winners in your lineup is most likely going to be good. Is most likely you're going to, you, you have a shot at first place. So that's why in the smaller cards, I wait win more. And on the bigger cards, I rate round one more. In, or inside the distance, closer. So that's all this, that's all this does. You can do this manually, right? You can do it. You can just look and go, what's the inside the distance? What are they owned? Oh, it's higher than, right? You convert the American odds into an implied probability. And there you go. And compare the two numbers. That's it. It's not complicated. This ain't advanced. This ain't advanced math. Okay. You're just trying to be directionally accurate. Not perfect. You're not perfect. These ratings aren't perfect. I'm not saying that. Oh, at that thing, you know, I look here and go like, look, 0.99. Erin Blanchfield. She's going to be 24% owned. I'm saying that that's efficient. You could use her. You could not use her. It's fine. Not necessarily. I'd say at 24%, that sounds like about around, around efficient ownership, around. 
right? Montel, Montel Jackson, 0.91. I'd probably his efficient ownership is 48%, which is still high, which is still like, you know, oh, well, he's overowned. Well, maybe he's not overowned at 48%. Am I going to be exactly right? No. Now, someone like Nerdy Tenor in the chat, he's going to run all that and he's going to, he's going to try to figure out exactly if, the exact amount. I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess over a long, long sample size that me and Nerdy Tenor will be much more closer to each other. He may be slightly more, slightly more precise, but I think directionally we'll be closer more often than not. Uh, Kai Roach, do you think you could leave more salary than usual on the table because there are more fights? No, not necessarily. I don't care. I don't I necessarily care about the salary. There's, there's more combos. So obviously there, there are more lineups that, that could use 49.9 or above. So they're going to be, they're, they're not going to be uh, as duplicated as they would be if there were only 10 fights. But any of these underdogs, I mean, if underdogs win and they win big, a lineup with leaving 2,000 on the table could, could be the, the, the optimal winning GPP lineup. It could be. But typically, the more fights there are on the slate, the more combinations there are. You leave money on the table on small cards because of duplication, not because it's optimal from a projection or a leverage standpoint, just that there aren't, aren't as many combinations. And most people, a big portion of the field, will feel tempted to spend most of their salary. So on a nine-fight card, a lot of times I'm 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 not building lineups that use anywhere close to the amount of salary. I'm spending 47 to 49 or something because I want to get unique. But on a 14-fight card, there may be lineups that are 49-7 that are unique. There may be lineups at 49-4 that are unique. There may be, there may be, hey, there may be a 50K lineup that, that's unique. Imagine, imagine playing a buys at 3% and Jenkins at 7% and Alpar at 4 5%, and then jamming in whatever the rest is. That, that may be a unique line. It may be 50K, and they still be unique because you're playing three single-digit-owned fighters in the lineup, right? So, like, I don't feel the need to, like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure all my lineups leave 1,000 on the table. No, it's going to be whatever it is. Once I make this rating, I don't necessarily care about the salaries. It's going to do it for me, right? If I have a lineup with all these under-owned players, the under-owned single-digit type of thing, then who cares if I use all the salaries? I know I'm. I know I'm going to be more likely to be unique. And yes, I almost said Montel Jordan. This is how we do it, right? This is how we do it. But this is how we do it. This has is how we do it. And uh, you know what? What you could do to do it? Hit that thumbs up button. Give me some of those thummy thumbs. This is how we do it. Thummy, thummy, thummy up. Uh, subscribe if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. We got plenty of shows today. Tomorrow, Sunday morning. So we'd love to see you there. Uh, I'll be back on for the Advanced Sports Analytics Show that'll be posted on YouTube as well as on the Daily Fantasy Football Roto Grinders podcast feed. So feel free to subscribe there wherever you get your podcasts. And like I said before, if you want to learn some of the, some of these concepts that I'm talking about, these aren't these aren't. This isn't complicated math. You don't need to know. You don't have to be a math whiz to get this stuff. It's just like kind of simple logic, common sense. That's what game theory is. You don't have to. You don't have to build. You don't have to build computer simulations or anything. You could be. You could be as directionally accurate as as more than more of the field. By just understanding how to think like a professional DFS player, utilizing game theory. Fifteen hour audio DFS masterclass from me and James McCool. Theoryofdfs.com. And uh, and I'll, we'll 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 see what goes on for this Sunday slate for NFL. And I'll be back on Monday with, with James and we'll, we'll be reviewing that and answering your DFS strategy questions as I always do Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.